you played football, you know what an unbalanced line was. Uh, we got an unbalanced church today, so a little heavy over on this side. But uh, we've got Josh over here anchoring the back corner here, so uh, we've got it made. Take your Bibles, if you will, and uh, turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And you could say uh, we're still standing at the front door, so to speak, of the book of Ephesians. We've been listening to uh, Paul magnifying the glory of God, beginning at uh, verse 1. All the way through verse 14, we said last week, is the longest sentence in the Bible. I know you have uh, a uh, punctuations at the end of a few verses there, but uh, like verse 6 and verse 12, but they really don't belong there because that's really one sentence from verse 1 to verse 14. Uh, the punctuations were not uh, inspired. They weren't there in the original, so, uh, but they were there added to try to help and uh, sometimes they help and sometimes they don't. But uh, beginning there, we, uh, we see uh, that Paul is praising God for everything that he's done to save us and to bless us in Jesus Christ. Now, thus far, we've seen in our study, we've looked at recognizing your righteousness. We saw that in verse 1 uh, and uh, talked about uh, being saints and being faithful in Christ Jesus, we talked about relying on our resources. Uh, verse 3, uh, the blessed is the, uh, be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. You have everything you need uh, to live the Christian life. You just have to recognize that. And you have to rely upon the resources that God's given you. And then we talked about resting in your relationship. And uh, that is the fact that we are in Christ, in Him. And uh, that shouldn't confuse us or shouldn't be something that we are confused about. But we are in Him. And you find that throughout uh, this, uh, this book, this emphasis, this theme. Now we want to rejoice in our redemption. Rejoice in our redemption along with the Apostle Paul. And these verses we're going to look at this afternoon actually just one verse verse seven but in verse uh, uh, these verses that are before us present to us some more reasons uh, to praise God uh, when you see the word blessed there in verse three uh, that means to celebrate with praise and that's what uh, uh, Paul is doing and that's what we are ought to do as well uh, Paul continues to reveal all the riches of God's grace that are ours in Jesus Christ. And I want to, uh, us to see today why God is worthy to be praised for his great work in salvation. Uh, and we're only going to have really one main point uh, this afternoon. And then the Lord willing, we'll uh, continue this truth in the week, uh, next week, and perhaps weeks to come. We'll see. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, these uh, messages kind of get uh, chopped up a little bit. Uh, I could keep you here the rest of the afternoon and evening, uh, but uh, we'll let you go in a timely fashion here so you can get your nap. Um, I don't want to have to make you all stand, okay? Uh, you know, you stand to sing, but uh, maybe you should stand to listen to the message. Well, that'd be kind of tough, you know? Uh, but some of us got to do it, right? And look at verse 7. 
in verse 7 it says, in whom, there's that uh, in Christ again, but in whom we have what? Redemption. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And so Paul is praising God for his redemption. Redemption, that's a very important word here. And it's an important concept throughout the scriptures. I don't know if you ever had S&H green stamps here. Where you grew up, you have S&H green stamps. Yeah, they, uh, they were in various parts of the country. Uh, I can remember when areas of our country, you could buy groceries and then you'd make sure to get your green stamps because you wanted to take them home and lick them and stamp them in the book, you know. And uh, you had fill up as many books as you could. And um, there was a catalog, apparently, that was published by S&H Green Stamps that featured some items that you could then exchange the books for green stamps uh, or the, uh, the items in the green stamps and an item that in the catalog would be selected. And sometimes you could mail them off or some, most time you would go to a redemption center, someplace you would go and get the item. And it was called a redemption center and you could redeem your green stamps uh, for the catalog item that you wanted. Today we have a whole system that's been converted to rewards. Are you an ACE reward customer? Are you a this customer, rewards customer, you know? I don't know that it gets as much, but uh, they'll knock off a few dollars if you're an awards customer. If you, they'll mail a little coupon to you, uh, but most of the time it doesn't mean much. But uh, redemption is one of the central themes in the Bible, And when we experience redemption, there's far more to it than trading one item for another. Uh, Yeah, you know, S&H green stamps, that was redeeming uh, your your books of stamps. But here we're talking a lot more, uh, uh, far more than just trading one thing for another. Redemption really isn't a trade, okay? It's not a trade. We do not collect enough points to get God to let us off. You can't collect points you can't collect stamps you know uh, christian life might be a little easier if you could just get enough stamps together get enough points together well that's not the way this works Uh, a gift that god gives is based on nothing we have to offer in return Uh, redemption is a gift to us redemption though was not free it did not cost you anything but it cost god a far more than we could ever imagine. And we want to talk just a few minutes this afternoon on God's redemption. We're going to rejoice in our redemption. And as we do, we're coming to understand why God is to be praised for his redemption. I want you to just look at three particular areas concerning God's redemption. First of all, the character of his redemption. The character. Uh, The idea of redemption was a a common one in the ancient world. In the Roman Empire, during the time of Paul, there was as many as six million slaves. And the buying and selling of those slaves was huge business. In fact, it was not uncommon for a family member or a friend to seek the release of a slave that they cared about. And to make that happen, the individual would purchase the slave for himself, and then he would give that slave his or her freedom. And the one releasing the slave would give the released one a 
certificates stating that they had been redeemed. They had been released from their slavery. And that document was proof that the former slave was now free. Now, as we look at this, the Greek word that's used here in redemption is actually, uh, or what we're talking about, is a transaction, it's a lutro. Uh, that's the, the word. Again, it's, uh, it's not important that uh, we know the Greek there necessarily, other than the fact that uh, that's good to know uh, because it gives us some help in identifying what is meant here. But it means to affect the release of a slave by paying the redemption price. And a form of this word is used here in verse 7. It's apolutrosis. Apolutrosis. And that it comes from that word lutro. Paul says we have redemption. This means that those who are saved have been released from their slavery. Now every person born in the world uh, since the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden as a, is a slave. Every person is a slave. No person is free. No one is free from sin or its consequences. Every person born since Cain came into the world has been born with a sinful nature. Every baby that comes into this world is born with a nature that's defiled, corrupt, evil, completely separated from holy God. Just go ask the nursery workers, okay? Right? Every baby has a, has a, has a corrupt nature. Every single person in the world, into this, as born into this world, is born as a slave to sin, and they face the same fate. Uh, we're all destined to die. Death is the ultimate consequence of our slavery to sin. Now, every sinner is a, uh, in this world is a sinner by birth. Each one of us are guilty of committing sin. We're sinners by nature, sinners by choice. Uh, and according to Jesus, uh, because we are sinners, we are also slaves to our sin. John eight thirty four. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, a slave to sin. Sin is a cruel master. It enslaves its victims and demands a high price for their release. It demands death as its price. Death is the price that had to be paid for man's redemption. And that's exactly the price that Jesus paid when he went to the cross to liberate us from our sins. Jesus gave himself the innocent for the guilty. The guilty might go free. Listen to how the New Testament describes what Jesus did. Galatians 1, 3 and 4, it says, Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made the curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Uh, Colossians 1, 13 and 14, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15, for as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, 
he also himself likewise took part of the same, that though or through death he might destroy him that he hath pow- that hath power uh, of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. When Christ died in our place on the cross, he literally redeemed us from our sins. He shed his blood to satisfy God's just demands for our sin, and he accomplished everything that was necessary to secure our freedom. If you look at some of the verses that speak of redemption, you begin to get an idea of all that God did for us when Jesus died for our sins. Let me just give you three more verses that speak of this matter of redemption. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. Revelation 5, 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou wast was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Now the word redeemed in Revelation chapter 5 is a little bit different word than we find back in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. This is a word which is agorazo. It means to do business in the marketplace, to purchase something for oneself. It's used to the uh, to the person who entered to the marketplace to purchase a slave. And that's what Jesus did when he died. He entered the marketplace of sin and paid the full price purchasing uh, uh, us for himself. Now, if you go back to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 5, it says, To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. The word redeem in that verse is a little bit different. Yeah, it ex- uh, translates ex agarazzo. It's the same word as used in vi- uh, chapter uh, Revelation 5, 9, but it has the prefix ex or x added to it. The word means to purchase something for oneself in the marketplace and, notice this, forever that's something from the sale. In other words, Christ redeemed us. He not only paid the price, he forever removed us from the sale. As a result, he purchased us. He owns us. That's what Galatians 6, 19 and 20 says. What, know you not, you're uh, bought with a price. Okay? And that price is what Jesus paid. And he not only paid it, but he said, you're no longer going to be for sale. All right? He removes him from sale. That's the X. Okay? He never intends to allow us to be enslaved or sold under sin again. Again, 1 Peter uh, 1 and uh, uh, verse 18 and 19. Uh, For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And again, this goes back to Ephesians 1.7 uh, word that we uh, translated uh, there. Uh, the word lutro means to release a slave after payment of a purchase price. And this is what Paul wants us to see here in verse 7. Jesus came into this world. He died on the cross. He shed sinless, perfect blood that day. His shed blood forever satisfies God Almighty And Jesus Christ purchased his bride. Jesus Christ forever removed his bride from the sale, making 
her eternally secure with him. And then the Lord Jesus set her free from the bondage of sins, delivering her from sin's power. He set her free from the penalty of sin, set us free so that we could live a new life of glory to his name. That's the nature of redemption. And I trust everyone here this afternoon knows the power of redemption in your life, that you've been redeemed. Uh, If you've been redeemed, you have plenty of reason to be celebrating, praising God, worshiping God, honoring God, who bought you with his blood. So that's the character of redemption. Notice, secondly, the cost of his redemption. Uh, In a sense, we've pretty well talked about that, but the redemption that uh, we have been given in Jesus is free for the taking. Anyone who believes can be saved without cost. You can't pay for it. You can't uh, trade for it. Uh, no matter how many green stamps you have, you, it's not going to be enough. While redemption, the Lord, uh, the redemption the Lord gives his people, it's free, but it was not cheap. Uh, this verse reminds us here in verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Through his blood. The hour you came to Jesus, you did not have to bring a payment in your hand. All you needed was faith in his death and resurrection. You believed on him by faith. You were saved by grace. It did not cost you a dime. However, it cost the Lord everything. The price for your redemption has his, uh, was his precious blood. And when Jesus died on the cross, the innocent was dying for the guilty. He who had no sin was dying for those who only had sin. And when Christ died, shedding his blood on the cross, he satisfied all the just demands the Almighty God had concerning regarding sin. God is satisfied. Now, if you look in the Old Testament, you notice there that millions of gallons of blood had been shed during the days of the tabernacle and the temple. All that blood had not been able to take away a single sin. All that blood did did was cover the sin for a season. But when Jesus Christ died, he shed his perfect blood on the cross. He did what the blood of animals could not do. And when he shed his blood, his shedding of blood was the shedding of blood of a perfect man. His blood was the blood of a man who was free from sin. His blood was the only blood that could pay the debt. Nobody else's blood could do that. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 11 through 14 says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never, never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. First John 4 Verse 10 says, Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, the word propitiation uh, means that which satisfies. Jesus died for sin and God is forever satisfied. When sinners come to him for salvation, there's nothing left to pay. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. 
and lost sinners would receive new life, forgiveness of sin, adoption into God's family, all without cost. Uh, Someone has called the blood of Jesus Christ that redeems us the Red River of Redemption. Now, I want you to notice quickly three things about this Red River of Redemption. First of all, there's the source of the river. The source of the river is God. Revelation 13 and verse 8 It tells us that Christ was slain in the heart and mind of God before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. So you have the source of the river is God. Secondly, you have the course of the river. And the course of the river, as you look back into eternity past, it flows past the gates, first of all, uh, of the Garden of Eden. Because God slew an innocent animal and he clothed Adam and Eve with the coats of skin. The Bible says, for without shedding of blood there is no remission. And the river uh, 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 of blood courses past the altar of Abel. Where Cain and Abel came to worship the Lord. And Cain worshipped and offered the fruit of his hands and the fruit of the ground. But his worship was rejected. Abel offered a little lamb. And God had respect toward Abel's offering a blood sacrifice. For without shedding of blood, there is no remission. And then the river of blood flows past Noah after he built an ark. And he survived uh, uh, there uh, the flood with just he and his family. And they came to rest on Mount Ararat. And it was there that Noah made a blood sacrifice to the Lord. And then... The Red River of Redemption flows there on Mount Moriah where Abraham was about to offer Isaac and there a ram was caught in the thicket and uh, to take Isaac's place without the shedding of blood. There is no remission. And onward the river flows into the land of Egypt. And when the Passover lamb was slain, God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And then the red river of blood flows past the Levitical offerings and the temple sacrifices until we see finally Jesus Christ, the Son of God on Calvary's cross. You see there's a red river of blood. We've seen the source, we've seen the course, and then notice thirdly the force of this river is the forgiveness of sin. Thank God for the blood of redemption. So we find here, thirdly, the cause of his redemption. Paul tells us that his redemption flows to us according to the riches of his grace. Verse 7 again, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Because God has set his grace upon us. He set in motion a plan to save us. Everything God has done in Jesus comes to us according to the riches of his grace. I want you to think maybe of it this way. If uh, If we were to take up an offering today, and one of you millionaires out there were to give 20 bucks in the offering, you would be giving out of your riches, right? And just about everybody else could have done the same thing. Most of us could do that. Uh, 
But if a millionaire gave $20,000, that would be according to their riches because not everybody can give $20,000. I'm not hinting at anything, by the way. I'm just using it as illustration. If you give, if you give five or ten, or if you give a dollar, you're giving out of, out of your riches. But if you give... Hundred, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. You're giving according to your riches. You see the difference. There's a difference, and God has not given us redemption that has limits, but He's given us a redemption that has no limits. Think about it. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Verse three. He chose us in Christ. In Christ, remember that, before the foundation of the world. He adopted us into his family, verse 5. He changed our lives, verse 4. He has determined that we will be with him in heaven someday where we will be like Jesus, verse 5 again. And he did all of this just because it brought him pleasure. God has given us all that we have in Jesus, according to the riches of his grace. If he merely saved us from sin until we sinned again, that would be redemption that came out of his riches. But he has set us on a road to heaven and he told us to get there. If he, I should back up. If he set us on the road of heaven and he told us to get there the best way we could, that would be redemption out of his riches. But he didn't do it that way, did he? When God redeemed us, he did not do it just partway or halfway. He did not set limits on his grace. When he redeemed us, he did it according to his riches in his grace. Or of his grace. That means that we cannot sin beyond his grace. It means we cannot sin beyond his, uh, uh, beyond his grace. It means that we are saved to the uttermost and God continues to lavish his grace upon us. From eternity to eternity. That way we're told. That is why we're told that God is to be praised for his redemption. And so really that's, that's the point of my message this afternoon. Praise God for his redemption. And think about what he did for us. Now this is no, no little thing, is it? Eternity is not a, just a, well, take it or leave it. You leave it and eternity in hell is, not, is the only other choice. So praising God for his redemption. And we see his character, his cost, his cause. And remember, the redemption is about giving you freedom from your past life and from the penalty of sin. And as we've been saying already all the way through here, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for 